All right, so uh, it's good to see everybody. If you're here tonight, we're in the book of Ephesians. If you are online or in the house, we have an outline. Did you guys get an outline? Okay, Jim's taking care of you. Uh, so if you're looking for an outline or even uh, the answers to the outline, you can find those uh, if you hit the link on our HBFCast website for this live feed. If you did that, you should have a click here in the notes, and you can go to that click here and get the online notes and the online PowerPoint on, in a PDF format. Or you can, um, you can go to the listen, uh, go to the, tonight's sermon, which is uh, Christ's Blessings, uh, sermon number five, and you will find those documents listed there as well. So we're in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, this, the last part of this study. Now just by way of review before I jump into the text, um, the purpose of this study is to real, reveal Christ's efficiency, the church's unity, and the Christian's duty through the study of this prison epistle uh, to the Ephesians. Also the theme is building the body, right, pump me up in the midst of, uh, in the, I'm sorry, in the image uh, and likeness of Christ. So the body is going to reflect both the image and likeness of Christ. And uh, somebody texted me the other day, and I found out they were really paying close attention to uh, what we've been talking about with the image and likeness of Christ. I was really encouraged. Uh, they were quoting some lyrics from a contemporary Christian song, and they were saying, hey, man, didn't, wasn't this like the opposite of what you were saying the other night? And I'm like, it was. So appreciate you guys uh, paying attention and taking notes and really learning. Um, and then uh, this, we're, we're, in this introduction, um, we're talking about, you know, really just what it is that God has bestowed upon us in, in, in regard to Christ's blessings. So um, the title of this, of this uh, whole study is Revealing Our True Identity. And then I gave you an outline of the entire book, Ephesians 1 and 2, the chapters, Reveal Christ's Deity. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Really, we get to see God's power. We'll go to a prayer after verse 14, Paul gives a prayer about really the, the power of Christ in the church, and then he really talks about how that occurs in, in chapter 2 uh, through that quickening that happens, the quickening that we have when we get saved. Then in chapters 3 and 4, uh, it deals with the church's unity as we understand what God is doing in this time through the church, and then chapters 5 and 6 reveals uh, the Christian's duty, and so how we actually uh, can live out what we have learned about the power of Christ in us. And the, and the gifts and the things that God has given to us, the spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. And this book is really about inheritance. And so uh, we spent quite a bit of time talking about that. And uh, I gave you a chapter breakdown, uh, verses 1 and 2 are the introduction, verses uh, 3 through 14, which we've been looking at for several weeks now, is the Christ's blessings to us. And then, um, and then when we get to the 15th through the 23rd verse of this chapter, we'll be talking about this powerful prayer that the Apostle Paul has for us. So let's look at the text once again. I'm just going to read it and then we're going to bust into where we are uh, in our study tonight. We're looking at the fifth tonight, the fifth thing that God has given us. So Paul says in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he's talking to saints and faithful in Christ Jesus. These are people who are born again. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we know right from the introduction that he's dealing with things that, uh, that, that he's dealing with Christians, number one, and he's dealing with things that uh, we've been blessed with uh, in spiritual places, in heavenly places, I'm sorry, spiritual blessings in heavenly places in verse 3. So verse 4 goes on to say, According as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Verse 8, so we're going to start off tonight. And then verse 9 says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom we uh, have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who, hath, who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. 
in whom he also uh, in whom I'm sorry ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation in whom also after ye believed ye were sealed with the holy spirit of promise so verse 13 tells us how we got into all of this which which was this decision to get saved verse 13 verse 14 says which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. So we've talked a lot about little aspects of this, and these, this continues to build these seven principles that we're looking at, these seven blessings, I should say, that we find here. Uh, the fact that he has chosen us, we saw that in verse, uh, in verse 4, and we talked about what that means in the context of the, of the book of Ephesians and the New Testament. Along with that, again, uh, comes the next one, which is he has predestinated us under the adoption of children by Christ to himself. We saw that in verse 5, and we had the opportunity to look in the Bible at the differences between uh, today. A lot of people get confused about predestination, and they think that, you know, uh, you know that we were predestined um, uh, to be saved or lost uh, before Jesus ever came, which is not what that's teaching. God's predestinated that everybody that's in Christ is going to be saved and get these blessings. That's what he predestinated. So we took, we took uh, a lot of time to talk about that, which is really what slow, slew me down. Then we talked about being how we've been made accepted in the beloved. Spent some time talking about who the beloved was. Uh, and specifically in the context of Ephesians 1, Sharon, do you remember who the beloved was? It's Christ, that's right. Because it could be the church, could be Israel. We looked at all the different beloveds. But in this context, the beloved that, that we find ourselves in is Christ. Uh, and, uh, and so we spent some time on that. And then last week we got together and we talked about how he has redeemed us in, in verse 7. And so uh, that's a lot of stuff that we covered, by the way, over the last several weeks. So, uh, man, our, we, should, we should have a Ph.D. in the book of Ephesians by now. But we don't. So, uh, so tonight we're going to talk about how he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And uh, wisdom and prudence, if, you, if you're using an outline, that's the fill in the blank, wisdom and prudence. And uh, you, you don't have to be a rocket science to see that. It's right there in the text. He has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Ama- amazing. It's right there in, the, in the, uh, the cheat sheet is your Bible. So there you go. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, like good mythical morning. Let's talk about it. So verse 8 says, Wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. All wisdom and prudence. So Romans reveals the wisdom and prudence of God in his motions to conquer sin and death. Let's, let's talk about that first. Uh, if you're filling in the blank, that next blank is Romans. And the book of Romans, of course, was also authored by Paul. We mentioned in the introductory comments several weeks ago that Ephesians is sort of like a mini-Romans. It's like a condensed version of the book of Romans. It's a, it's a dense doctrinal book. And, so, um, and since we've got a live group here, if you guys need to stop me and ask questions, just do so. And because... Uh, it's not a studio audience, it's a live church audience, so it's a congregation. We're congregating here um, at a safe distance, I might add, so everyone is super safe right now, I promise you. And so, um, and so uh, the Bible tells us in Romans, if you've got your Bibles and, uh, and you're not looking at this text up there, it says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 14, Paul writing here in chapter 5, Notice that, and by the way, there's a lot of discussion of death in chapter 5. The number 5 in the Bible deals with grace and it deals with death, primarily death. Uh, and then, of course, it's through the death of Christ that we get the grace of God. So it's an interesting number, uh, just a pattern that you see in the Bible. So chapter 5, verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one uh, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so uh, is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So where Adam and Jesus are alike is they both affected uh, their obedience and or disobedience affected um, those that would follow after. And so, um, and so that's what is, Paul is setting up there. So by the, the grace of God, what I like about this passage is it, it talks about how it's, it's actually more sufficient. And so uh, it hath abounded unto many. 
the gra- uh, Christ hath abounded unto many, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ. So just as death has uh, infected every human that's ever born, uh, so the gift of grace w- will abound unto many. And so, of course, we know that's as many as received him, right? To them gave he power to become the sons of God. So this is a good time to point out, once again, that Christ hath uh, past tense abounded toward us. It's not, it's not like future tense. He hath uh, abounded there at the end verse, uh, in verse uh, 15. And I've highlighted the word abound, but notice the word right in front of abound is hath. So he's already done it. He's already abounded toward us. And so he did that 2,000 years ago. Um, and, and he did it toward us. The us is the saints. And so in Romans 5 and verse 15, it, it is clear that though Jesus died for all of Adam's fallen race, the gift of grace hath abounded unto many. Um, and so it doesn't say abounded to everyone. So now I'm not going down the road of, of, uh, of uh, you know, God selected some to be saved and selected some to go to hell. He did do that in his foreknowledge. He knows he's going to go to heaven and hell, but he selected uh, God the Father selects those who receive his son. That's how that works. And so he predestinates those that are in Christ will be saved. Uh, and so here we see that many, not all, right? He's not willing that any should perish. And, he's, and, uh, and, uh, and Peter tells us that, <clears throat> that he wants all to be saved. Uh, John chapter 3 also says that, you know. And so he, God so loved the world. Uh, he doesn't want to see any perish. But he's gonna, the, the grace is abounding unto those uh, that have have Christ as their Lord and Savior, um, and so uh, so those who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. And when you call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, you are elected to receive this this gift of grace. Isn't that awesome? And so um, and so you can understand that uh, God's wisdom and prudence has caused grace to abound over sin. That's the next one. God's wisdom and prudence is what has caused grace. To abound over sin. And uh, I think that, yeah, so over sin. The word over is what the fill in the blank is there. And so think about that, how God's wisdom and his grace, <clears throat> um, it, or his wisdom and his prudence, prudence has caused grace to abound over sin. And in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, the Bible says, Moreover, brethren, or I mean, moreover, the law entered, not brethren, that's just me quoting some other verse in my head, Moreover, the law entered that, great, that the offense might abound, um, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Man, I, I like that. I just got to pause here for just a second. It's not in my notes, but right now there's a lot of... I just saw some more defectors. I've seen defectors in the faith. Defective faith is rampant right now. I was thinking about that this morning. I just the, the head lead singer of Hawk Nelson bailed out yesterday or whatever this week, you know, Shock, you know, a, Christ, a contemporary Christian singer no longer believes in God, you know. Uh, so that's not a surprise. Um, if you listen to most of the music, you would understand why they don't believe in God. So, uh, I mean, really, I mean, so what are we rooted and grounded in? We're not, it's not like we're singing out of the Psalms most of the time or singing out of the Bible. So, <clears throat> um, so a lot of the, the reality is, is that Christians then, I, I watched the responses to that. And then today, what did I see? Oh, Francis Chan. You know, he's going, he's marching down the charismatic road now, which is not surprising. You hang out up the street here at IHOP and, you know, get involved with, uh, uh, oh, what's his head up there? Mike Bickle, Bickle yeah. Um, not to be confused with Jeff Bickle, who I worked with at Jones Entertainment many years ago. Uh, Mike Bickle, they may be first cousins, I don't know. Maybe his brother, I don't really know. Amy, that would be an interesting thing to find out. You remember Jeff Bickle? Yeah, I do too. So Mike Bickle, he, he uh, IHOP, if you're, if you're like watching us, from somewhere else other than Kansas City Metro, uh, International House of Prayer. No, we're not talking about pancakes here. We're talking about International House of Prayer. We've got a, the a whole international movement uh, is just located just 20 minutes up the highway or 30 minutes up the highway here in Grandview, Missouri. And uh, Francis Chan, who's a pretty popular uh, author and, and speaker, of course, not a preacher now. He's a speaker. Um, uh, he just announced that, you know what, I do believe in gifts. I do believe that I have the gift of healing. And I do believe that, you know, I'm going to really fit in well at the next IHOP concert. And so, um, so him and they can have a good time, him and Matt Redman and Mike Bickle. And then all those SBC guys from Midwest can go hang out with them too. And Tomlin, does Tomlin hang out with that group? Oh, I hate to hear that, but I'm not surprised. So anyway, um, and so 
what does that have to do with the price of tea? Well, um, if you just read the, the headings, because Christian leadership today or whoever I find these things on, they like to, to put that out there, and then you know everybody's like, oh, no, the sky is falling. Um, but the reality is, this, is, is just the opposite of that. This is one of the greatest times ever to be a Christian. And you got a Bible. I mean, look at this thing. 66 books, beginning to end. you got everything you need to know. I mean, if you, if you start in this and, and really believe the Word of God, uh, you're like so far ahead uh, that this stuff that, you know, Francis who? You know, Paul I know, uh, Jesus I know. I don't know, Francis Chan. But anyway, so the reality is we got the Bible, you know. So, uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me that Francis Chan is losing his way. Um, I does. I mean, that's fine. If that's if he doesn't rightly divide the word, that's fine. So he can do that. But the the reality is is that we don't need to get freaked out when Hawk Nelson, lead singer, or I don't know, there was some Hillsong guy or some other guy. I mean, just listen to what they're putting out. No wonder they're losing their faith. The point is simply this: where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. You know, and and that's the other side of the coin is you don't out, you can't out, you're not going to win. I mean, the, uh, you're not going to beat God's grace. God's grace, I like to say it this way, there's, God has more grace than we have sin. And so uh, you think, oh, no, evangelism is dead. God's message will never get across. I got news, and I got news for you. That's probably true for the Laodicean church age. It probably will get worse before it gets better. But I'm, I'm even, when you read the Bible and you believe the Bible, you know that there's coming a time shortly when there's going to be like 144,000 Apostle Pauls preaching, and they are going to have such an impact that the world leaders can't even deny it. They have to kill these people to stop them. So there is definitely not going to be a lack of evangelism, but the reality is is today is the day to receive the gospel. And so people are being distracted because grace isn't abounding and sin is abounding. And so we need to really get back to the Bible because the Bible promises us in Romans 5, in verse 20, that, 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 yeah, sure, the offense, it really, it did abound. Um, uh, the law entered that the offense might abound. God gave the law to highlight sin with a yellow highlighter and say, you know what? Uh, you can't keep the law. You can't keep the law of your conscience, Adam. You can't keep the law of Moses, Jews, and, 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 and Gentiles. You can't keep the law of your conscience either. So you say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in all this church stuff. You know what? It's a free country. You can believe in pixie dust. But the reality is you set up a law in your own conscience, and I guarantee you, you will break it. You say, I'm going to be better than my neighbor. You will, before it's over, you will not be better than your neighbor. You will break your law of your own conscience, and thereby God will be justified because you will understand that you have fallen short of your own standard of righteousness, which is self-righteousness, which in itself is sin. But that's another discussion. So all of that aside where sin abounded, praise God, grace did much more abound. And that's just awesome. So we're going to talk about how that happened. In verse 21, the Bible says that sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So we're getting somewhere now. So we're going from death to eternal life. Um, and, and so uh, how is that happening? It's through this grace that's abounding through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. So the next point in your fill-in-the-blank is then, the wisdom and prudence of God was not lost on Judas nor the fallen angels. And this is a point Pastor Randy likes to point out a lot, which is good because a lot of people miss this, that when you look at the big picture of sin and, and endemic nature and all of these things we, we're, we're kind of dancing around talking about right now and how, how men and our, and our very our human nature is fallen, and which is why we need the divine nature, which is Christ, which is we're talking about Christ who... Uh, is God manifest in the flesh? Uh, and so how do we get that grace? Well, it's through Christ, and, and, and all of that's all true, but there's a bigger picture going on as well. There is a, a spiritual war going on. I just pointed this out to someone this last week that was lost. I was just sharing the gospel with them. And, and you know, you can talk about Jesus in the context of Jesus Christ being uh, living, being God man in the manifest in the flesh, dying on the cross, resurrecting on the third day, according to the scripture, which he did, and according to over... 500 witnesses that were available at 50-some A.D. when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's lots of historical data, you know, uh, adding Andy Stanley, so you can go out and, and feel good about that. But the reality is this. Um, the, 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 the truth of the matter is, is, that, is that when I was lost, I, I, could, I did question the resurrection of Christ. I wasn't sure Jesus really, I, I didn't doubt his, his, 
you really got to almost be an idiot stick to believe that Jesus didn't exist. There's just too much, like, historical evidence. I mean, if you don't believe Jesus exists, then you, you might want to check out if you believe in George Washington. I mean, really. I mean, you really, the, he, I mean, or Napoleon or, or Socrates or Plato. If you believe all those other people exist, you've got to believe Jesus Christ existed. All right? So, okay, so the real question isn't did Jesus exist and walk the earth? He did. There's so much account other than, I mean, the Bible itself, but even secular sources. So that's all true, unless you're just an idiot stick. But then on the other side of that, if, 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 you, if you, like I used to do, struggle with, okay, this guy is a historic figure, uh, but did he resurrect? I mean, come on, man. That's, that's just probably people w- being wishful. Um, you know, well, the reality is, is, that is the, that's, the, that's the linchpin. Because this grace ain't going to abound to you unless you understand Jesus Christ is alive right now. Because you can't get a living Christ in you if you think he's dead. I mean, he's, got, he's alive, whether you believe it or not. Okay, so I'm talking to this dude about this just this week. And he's kind of where I used to be. So he's really thinking about, wow, is it really possible that this Jesus is alive? Because, man, once that comes, if he really believes that, then, then he's in. All he's got to do is call upon the name of the Lord and be saved, and Jesus is going to save him. So, but the reality is this, is that, you know, when I was lost and I was actually wondering if God is real, did Jesus Christ exist, is Jesus Christ really God? Although, did you guys ever have those questions when you were lost? Rex did. Nobody else. Well, some of us are just a bunch of knuckleheads. Me and Rex are knuckleheads. So I used to wonder those things. So you know what was wild, though, is that, you know, the, the, the devils do believe. And in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says that the devil, Satan, is actively blinding the minds of them that don't believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. And there's actually a real like a supernatural conflict going on. And so my kids will sit around, especially my son, and he'll watch Marvel movies and, talk, and look at these supernatural conflicts going on. And the reality is, you know, dad's in the other room prepping a message on Sunday because you know what? The real supernatural conflict's happening right here where we are right now, getting the light to the dark, dying world. Because, you know, this, the reality of God's grace abounding to the lost is a big, big deal. And the wisdom and prudence of God wasn't lost on, uh, on uh, Judas or the fallen angels. And so let me take you to Colossians 2. Look at this in Colossians 2. I don't know if you ever thought about this. But now he's talking about uh, this powerful verse. And this is something, Colossians 2, by the way, is in the wheelhouse of a Laodicean church age. So this is something we kind of got to get our heads around right now. It says, verse 14, Blotting out the handwriting and ordinances that was against us, uh, <clears throat> which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, talking of Jesus here in context, of course, nailing it to his cross, and look what he did in verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. So, you know, we got this, this rendition of Jesus on the cross, which is accurate in the fact that it's, he's a humble lamb of God taking away the sin of the world. But there's also the whole other narrative going on here, which is you got Judas, the son of perdition, who goes, oops, I just made a mistake. I just got duped by the wisdom and the prudence of Almighty God. And then you got the angels, not just the, the angels that are worshiping Jesus, but the fallen angels going, uh-oh, <laughs> we're in a pickle now. And so uh, this wisdom and grace, this wisdom and prudence that abounds towards us in the, in the grace of God is amazing. So James is a, is a if, if, so God is, Jesus in being as his weakest possible is actually, he's like, you know, Russ Limbaugh says on whatever he's doing, he's got half his brain tied behind his back or whatever he says. Um, well, Jesus literally like tied himself to a cross and died. He put his humanity on a cross. And in the moment when the, 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 the fallen angels and, and, and Judas thought that they were going to uh, win, uh, guess what? It was in his weakness that he, he won. <laughs> his strength. You can, I mean, God's, his strength, his weakness, I'm sorry, is, is stronger than our strength. I mean, he, it's just you cannot get around who Jesus Christ is. He is God manifest in the flesh. And his, he can, when he loses, he wins. I mean, he's just, you just can't get around him. And that's what, that's what the principalities and powers uh, don't want getting out. They don't want to see the light of God's grace getting out to people uh, through the gospel. You say, well, that simple little gospel. Yeah, that simple little gospel will turn the world upside down. Uh, because Jesus Christ is God, and he's going to return again, by the way. 
And so James says it this way. You say, well, Brian, I want to get in on some of this. Well, this is what James says. If you need some wisdom, if you need some prudence, you guys know what James says, right? James 1.5. If any man lack wisdom, uh, if any of you, I'm sorry, if any of you lack wisdom, I misquoted that. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. Now, now that is an epistle written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, but the, James is saying all men, anybody that wants to get wisdom, all they got to do is ask of God because something has happened, and that's Jesus Christ has re- resurrected and offered the gospel to everybody. So if, you wanna, if you're lacking wisdom, all you got to do is ask of God. He'll give to all men, not just a little bit, right? He gives it liberally and abradeth not because all wisdom really and prudence is found in Christ. So if you know Christ, you've got wisdom and prudence. I'm going to talk about that here as well because i got some time left. So this is real practical, though. Let me give you, because, like, you know, if it's not practical, it's not preaching. So let's get down to some practical stuff. What's some of my favorite verses, passages, I should say, from 1 Corinthians in regard to wisdom? Uh, And it really just underscores what I was already saying. Uh, In regard to the fact that uh, this is a very very practical, practical, as God's wisdom and prudence is available in the Word. That's the fill in the blank there. The Word, um, through His Spirit, and in the church. So I've listed really three things there. I've only had you do the word as the highlighted uh, or the underlined word there, but really you see the three things, the word, the spirit, and the church. We're going to talk about the spirit. I don't know if we're going to get to all that tonight, but we will get to that here in, in, in the next uh, point or two uh, after this. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So Paul here, you know, you guys know the Athens and you understand the Corinthians and Achaia, which is... Uh, Paul uh, isn't too far here from Athens, Greece, and all the wisdom and all the great deep thinkers and all that stuff, the philosophers and all that, you know, I think Tony Robbins, everybody is living there around that time. And so, and so, so Paul's writing to these people that have all of these, it's like a wind tunnel of philosophical thoughts and, uh, and, uh, and mindsets in, in, uh, in Corinth. And, and then so he says this in verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, For the preaching of the cross <laughs> is to them that perish foolishness. I mean, really? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Now, now you can look at that two ways. Uh, today, most preachers look at that and, and kind of shrivel and go, Oh, man, I'm not accepted in the world. I, I, you know, I better write a, what's that article? What's that? No, there's a magazine out. Relevant. Did you ever read Relevant? Relevant is a, is a rag that goes out to all the pastors so you can be relevant. And uh, I think it's irrelevant because I quit getting it. I, I couldn't take it anymore. But it's gonna, you're going to basically, you're going to get these ma- magazines that are telling you how to be relevant, and which I will say there's some wisdom in that uh, in the sense of being all things to all men that by you know, all means we may save some. So that, in that it is wise to be relevant. Um, but there is also a point in which you've got to say, wait a minute. My purpose here is to accomplish the mission of God and make disciples. You know, the attention of the pastor. I literally was in a conference just a few weeks ago with several pastors, and, and this guy says, you know, I'm, I'm the pastor of my community, not just my church. And I thought about that. I'm like, no, that's not actually true, bro. You're, you're the pastor of your local church. You're not going to give account for your community. You're giving account for what your community will. You will give account for your community and how you pastor your local church. But I'm not going to compromise doctrine or anything else for the community. I'm going to I'm going to focus on how to feed the flock of God that's among me, among us, and take care of the business that God's entrusted to me within the household of faith. And by God's grace, that will then flow out and abound uh, to the community. And so uh, we got these this all these different things coming at us, all these kind of words of wisdom flying at you from all these you know reputable sources supposedly. And when you hear the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. That doesn't mean you should necessarily try to, to be relevant so that it's not foolish. Uh, Paul's making a statement there, which is, hey, man, when you preach the gospel as you ought to preach it, it's received as foolishness. It's actually a manifestation then in their hearts that they are indeed lost. It doesn't mean we should shrivel up and feel like we're somehow inadequate because we preach the gospel. We're going to go out in a, in a couple of weeks and invite people to come to church in the park. I'm going to preach in church in the park. Obviously, I want to be relevant in the sense that I want to connect with people at a heart level and, 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 and even a cultural level in regard like Paul did on Mars Hill. But Paul didn't like leave off the gospel because he, he, he was afraid of what the Athenians were going to think about it. That's, a, that's absurd, isn't it? 
I think it's absurd because that's what the Bible, I mean, Paul says that. The preaching of the gospel is foolishness to them that perish. Uh, the preaching of the cross, I should be more specific. The preaching of the cross is to them uh, that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So when we think about the cross, because we do have a deeper understanding, because if any man lack wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God which giveth liberally and abradeth not, right? He will not hold back. He will abound his wisdom towards. We'll understand the significance of the cross. And you learn the deep pictures of the cross. And you understand how intense the cross is from Genesis to Revelation. The cross is amazing. I mean, it's like, whoa, God had this in his mind before the foundation of the world. He does predestined some things yeah he does yeah that's why he wanted a blood sacrifice right off the bat that's why something innocent died that's why all those things were set up for a blood atonement so we would be forgiven of our sin that's why flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of god there's so many awesome things in god's word that, that help us understand that this cross is the power of god okay so he goes on to say for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent you understand what he's doing there? He abounded. He, his wisdom and prudence came to us on the cross. And we talked about redemption through the blood last time. And his, his sacrifice on the cross, it, looks, it looked like he was losing. But in his power and his wisdom and his might and who he is, he was winning. And he set it up and called it before he even showed up 4,000 years earlier. It's amazing. Well, actually, it was, well, yeah, it would have been 4,000 years before that. So that's amazing. And he goes, where is the wise? That's the question that Paul's asking in verse 20. Okay, wise guy, step up. Who's the wise guy here? Uh, uh, Where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so you do need to be a fool for Christ's sake to preach the gospel because only people foolish enough to believe it are going to get saved. And if that makes you uncomfortable, it's probably because you're trying to please the wrong people. At the end of the day, you've got to realize that the wisdom of God is wiser than the foolishness of men, and you've got to line up with Christ. And in the days ahead, beloved, it's going to be increasingly... Now, if you lived in Ephesus in the first century, it wasn't easy to be a Christian. I mean, there was all these debates. There's the goddess Diana. So even if it's not a philosophical debate... Uh, from some Roman or Greek god perspective, then you got this trade union agreement problem that with with uh, with uh, you know uh, you're messing up our pagan religion. So you're the off scourge of the earth. So you got all of these pressures coming on you. It, it isn't much. It isn't going to get much different today. Just this last week, you got people tweeting out on tweets and scientists. And I, forgive me because I didn't take the time to write their names down, um, but you could probably look it up somewhere. Um, saying that that the that, that fundamental Christianity, Bible believing, or whatever they call it evangelicals, they wouldn't say Bible-believing, but people of faith, uh, evangelicals in particular, are dangerous to the world. And, uh, and that came out this last week because we, we have a fatalistic mindset, which, hey, hey, sirrah, sirrah, so we die, we die. You know, we go to heaven. So we're not that inclined to worry about our health. Uh, well, that's silly because, you know, we don't believe live. What is that? Eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we shall die. That's what the pagan world believes. That's what a humanist believes. Um, they're not, in, they're, as a matter of fact, they're just, they, I mean, I don't want to get into philosophy. But the point is this, God's wisdom abounds, and in his foolishness, he slays the wisdom of men. And, and that is just an evident token that some man uh, is lost, and it's a philosophy that, you know what, if before I was saved, I might have bought into that same kind of baloney. All right, so let me pause there. Ray, is there any comments, anything in, in this building? Anybody have any questions, comments? All right. Weigh-ins? Amens. Amen. All right. All right, so let me move on to the next point in the next minute or two, and I'll wind this puppy down and we'll be done. So uh, he's also made known to us the mystery of his will. So look at verse... Now, this is a chunk of, chunk of uh, verses here, and I've been doing kind of one verse at a time. We're going to combine verses 9 through 12 in this next uh, blessing that is given to us. So we know that he's given us, he's abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, in, in verse 8, but verse 9 through 12 is really about the mystery of his will. And that's your fill in the blank. He's made known unto us the mystery of his will. So let's look at that in verse 9. It says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. Again, from, from the first blessing to the last, it's all going to be about Christ. 
that in the dispensation, that's a big word, of the fullness of times, plural, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in or on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, there's that word inheritance, being predestinated, there's that word predestinated again, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So if you're just believing the Bible word for word, you're, you're learning, we're learning some things here about these big buzzwords like dispensation, predestinated, and all of that, um, and predestination. And, uh, and so these are, these are in dispensation. Man, these, these are, you should, we could charge money. I mean, 50 bucks to get in the door just to learn about these big words. <laughs> so, uh, so he's made known unto us the mystery of his will. So on the, on the text up there, I've highlighted a couple of things I want to just point out. Uh, in verse 10 there at the end, it says, you know, at the end of the day, at the fullness of time, it's all going to be about everything that's in him, even in him. Uh, everything that is going to be saved is because of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's all in him. In whom also we have obtained, and this is really the thrust of us getting these blessings, and inheritance. And I pointed that out in our introduction. This is really, when you come to Ephesians 1, you're really having a look at your inheritance. This is what you're inheriting, these, these blessings. Well, part of that is knowing and understanding the mystery of his will. We understand, this is what's cool about being a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian, is you understand where all this is going. So God not only shares um, that we are predestined in Ephesians 1.5, but uh, in Ephesians 1, 9 through 11, God shares why, that's the fill in the blank there on your text, why we are predestinated. Why are we predestined? Well, we are predestined, that's the question on the table, on the floor. But let me pause before I give you the answers. Uh, why, why do you think, Amy, why are we predestined? She's like, don't ever just point me out like that. She's actually sweet. She's not like that. Don't know? Okay. Anybody got a shot at it or want to take a stab at it? Amen. Yeah, so this is talking about the end of times, right? So we're predestined to be with him uh, when all the, everything is fulfilled in him. I mean, it's all about him. It's about his honor and his glory. And so, and so um, we are predestinated because we, we have been redeemed and forgiven, right? Because we've been forgiven, because we've trusted in his sacrifice on the cross we believe that he rose again the third day we've asked him to come into our heart now ephesians chapter one you'll remember looked at back there in verse seven we talked about that last week in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace right wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself and so he has revealed himself but he, it's not just about our salvation, it's about his, you know, what his ultimate destination is. And it goes on in verse, we saw in verse 6 that, that we are accepted in the beloved in Christ. So in verse 19 um, of Acts, you know what, check this out. Peter, go back to Acts, and this isn't in your notes either. Oh, I did put that in the notes, so it is on the screen. So in Acts, Acts 3, Peter didn't get a hold of this. And this is something that if you're like tracking with me on Sunday morning, in the book of Acts, you'll kind of understand as we've been talking about how Acts is a transitional book. Paul's laying out some stuff here as factoids that were not factoids in Acts 3.19. So uh, I'm going to go ahead just for my own edification and turn back there for context. So Peter, the apostle Peter, um, is uh, now filled with the Spirit, and he's preaching. He's a preaching machine um, after he met with Jesus and then Pentecost, and now he's preaching to the Jews. In Acts chapter uh, 3... And it says in verse, uh, I'm going to start in verse 18. It says, But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he has so fulfilled. So he's preaching this message to, to the brethren, verse 17. Now, brethren, I wot not that through ignorance you did as, uh, as uh, also your rulers. He's talking to his Jewish brethren, uh, verse 17. And now he's saying that Jesus has fulfilled these prophecies. 
Verse 19, Repent ye therefore and, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So he's telling them that they need to you know, repent so that their sins will, will be, maybe actually is the exact word, uh, may be blotted out. And so what's cool about this is uh, when you cross-reference the Pauline epistles, right? So a lot happens between Acts 3 and then Acts 9 when Paul's called and then the end of Acts when uh, God has given Paul, you know, the tail end of his ministry there in his prison epistles and then we get the New Testament. So in Acts, or in Colossians chapter 2, again, I told you, Colossians 2 is so important uh, to the church age today. We understand some of these things. Um, I'm going to actually turn to that passage too because I want you to see this this interesting thing that happens here in Colossians chapter two. Um, let's just start in the, with the gospel, right? Uh, verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh hath past tense. He quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses, we talked about that last week, we just saw that in Ephesians 1, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Notice what Paul says there. Not that may, he may blot it out, he says, this is already done, man. It's blotted out, he's blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And there's some serious things that have developed in, a, in a, some wisdom and prudence has come from Christ to the church. And so we see now that, that uh, Paul is, is clearly teaching and preaching that the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice is enough. All we have to do is believe in the finished work of Christ and all of our sins are blotted out. We're not doing anything to, 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 to make sure they may be blotted out. They are blotted out. And that's, by the way, why you have to be careful with the book of Acts. You don't want to base any doctrine for the New Testament church on the book of Acts. The Acts is the transitional book. You should understand thereby why Paul said this in Colossians 2 and then why Peter said that in Acts chapter 3. That's why God has given us not only a Bible but a brain. And, he, and if we don't understand it, we say, hey, God, uh, help us have wisdom. You know, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth all men liberally and abradeth not. So God will give you the wisdom to understand that. So these were against us, but they're not anymore. Why? Because they've been blotted out. They've been they've been put on the cross. So the next blank there is Paul gives us more insight into the mystery of his will. So Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the end of the millennium when he was uh, when he put all things under his feet. So we see that in Ephesians, back in Ephesians, that's what he's really dealing with them in the dispensation of the fullness of times, right? So we're going all the way now to the end of the millennium and uh, and we're learning some things. So this is something that we have now an understanding of the dispensations and uh, the, uh, the dispensation of the fullness of times. And so uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians about the end of the millennium. In 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to put it on the screen for time's sake. Paul said, For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is ex uh, accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. And you say, well, Brian, I think that's talking about the second coming. I'd say, I, no, it's not, because there's, a, there's some action that's coming at the end of the millennium, even, when uh, Satan is going to challenge Jesus one more time. It's going to be quick, and God's going to judge him quickly with fire that comes down from heaven. And then after that, we roll into this time when all things are put under him. The fullness of the, the dispensation of the fullness of times. So you can go online, by the way, because I cannot lay all that out tonight, but you can go online uh, to our website and go to our Revelation series, and, uh, and you can go to the Revelation Bible study and uh, the series, and you want to go, to go to the end of the series, and you can look at Revel, the, ser the sermons and the messages on Revelation chapter 21 and 22 if you want to see how all that's going to work out. But all, all things are going to be put under him. He sits at the right hand of the Father for a reason. And, uh, and so it's going to be awesome. So you, uh, and so notice that it says that, that this inheritance goes to those who first trusted in Christ. Okay, what in the world is that talking about? Those who first trusted in Christ. Again, the word inheritance is the one I want to point out. This inheritance goes to those who first trusted in Christ. We're back in our text. 
uh, in him who uh, also we have obtained an inheritance, uh, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. And by the way, if you're like, what about this predestination, Brian? Okay, you need to go back to my my, uh, discussion on that earlier when we were in uh, verses uh, 4 and 5. We talked about being chosen and predestinated, so I'm not going to rehearse all that again. But I do want to note, I want to point out this, uh, this issue of uh, the inheritance, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, right? And at the, verse, at the end of verse 12, it says, who first trusted in Christ. And, and Sharon already tonight laid out the whole predestination thing within about one sentence, and it was accurate. So, in whom Christ, in whom it says, which is Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. The beloved we've already talked about is Christ. That's where our inheritance is found. The church has been receiving um, has been the recipient of, of Christ since Acts chapter 2 to this day, right? We've had the Spirit of God dwell in us. The church has been empowered by the Spirit of God. So the fullness of the Gentiles will come in, and the catching away of the church will commence at any moment. We're going to be caught up together with the Lord in the air. The 12 tribes in the nation of Israel will be restored uh, through the 12, tribulation period in fulfillment of Daniel's 70th week. Uh, the 144,000 will preach, um, and of course uh, Jesus will... Uh, resurrect the nation of Israel. They're already resurrected physically. Uh, spiritually, they will be born again in a, in the, as a nation uh, when they see their Messiah coming and they receive him. And, uh, and so, um, at the, and literally, there'll be a, a physical second coming. A 1,000-year reign will commence at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we are the first, if you think about it. Uh, when you look at that, who first trusted in Christ. Well, who first trusted in Christ? Was it the nation of Israel? Did Israel first trust in Christ? No, he came to his own, but his own received him not. That's right. His own received him not. Uh, well, so then are the, Israel won't receive him until after the rapture of the church. They're not going to get that right, right? And the millennium, is the Gentile nations going to receive him? No, they're not going to receive him until the coming millennium. And so, who is us? Us is the Christians. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's those Christians who first trusted in Christ. Rather, Jew or Greek is not the issue. It's the new creature in Christ. And so, um, if you have not trusted in Christ today, you know what? Today is the day of your salvation. You don't want to wait, right, until, uh, you know, some of these future events that I'm talking about. And you know why? Because the Bible tells us there's a warning in 2 Thessalonians that people that will be that hear this kind of preaching and teaching and then reject the gospel today, uh, you will actually, you will go into the tribulation and you will not receive the gospel and you will be committed to perdition. I mean, I'm really butchering the verse. Let me just read it. for time. I know we're out of time and I'm about to finish this point. But let me just read this for clarity's sake because the Bible's uh, much better than what I'm trying to uh, butcher out of it here. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, listen to this. It says... Um, for the mis- if you won't receive the mystery of the fullness of Christ and get saved and get in on this, uh, then this is what happens. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. This is Second Thessalonians 2, 7. And, and then that wicked will be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Yea, who? That's the second coming. Okay, verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. All right, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, in them that perish, why? Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Right? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to receive the love of the truth. The truth is, is that God is offering his grace. He's extending his mercy and his grace. He's abounding toward us in mercy and grace, saying, Your sins can be can be may be blotted out. They are blotted out as soon as you trust Christ as Savior. It is nailed to my cross. And in the fullness of times, and in the dispensation of the fullness of times, you will see that everything is going to be in Christ. You can get in on that now. And that's not just like a snake oil salesman. That is what the Bible teaches. And it seems like foolishness to them that perish. But to us which are saved, the Bible says it is the power of God. And today is the day to get saved. Because if you won't, you ain't gonna, the fullness of time is going to come and you will be cast into the lake of fire. That's what's coming after the millennial reign of Christ is a judgment. And if you don't recognize that the wrath of God was poured out on his son 2,000 years ago and let your judgment be put on him, 
and accept him as your sacrifice for sin so that you can be set free like the scapegoat or not or the the, the goat that's let free in the atonement during the, the week of atonement the day of atonement if you're not going to receive that advocate and propitiation for your sin today then the wrath of god abides on you and you won't receive him in the tribulation you just aren't going to do it why because this is the time if you can't receive God's grace, you're not going to endure to the end and be saved. Give me a break. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. It's not going to happen for you. So you will be condemned. So I beg of you, I'm talking to everybody out in the atmosphere, so excuse me, folks. Whoever's out there in the atmosphere listening to this, if you need to get saved, get saved because time is short. So let me give you a couple quick heresies, and then we'll park the car on this study, and I'll, I'll pick it up next week uh, on the last of the blessings. So uh, the false teachings that surround this verse. There's a lot here. I, I just glossed over it, but we could go on probably for a couple of weeks on just this one blessing. Uh, but the two, there's two heresies. The first is postmillennialism, and that is that our that uh, we are gradually stretching out. Uh, that time is is gradually stretching out till it automatically becomes the fullness of times, and everyone will be converted to Christ. And so uh, that's that's a you know uh, postmillennialism. And then the other one. Uh, is universal salvation and uh and so that is that 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 even people in hell are going to be redeemed notice the bible says on the earth and not in the earth (laughs) very specific very specific i actually almost messed up and said everything in the earth when i was reading ephesians it doesn't say everything in the earth it says on the earth because death and hell will be delivered up at the end of the millennium and be cast into the lake of fire again every single word is important we're not just studying concepts. We're studying the words of God because God has preserved his words. And so, um, and so that's going to be, that's a, that's a very important point as well. All right, so let me pause right there. Any questions about these two blessings tonight? We've covered the, uh, the bounding toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And then we've co- talked about how he has made known unto us the, um, the uh, what is it, the uh, power or no. For the fill in the blankers. It's in the text. The mystery. The mystery. And Paul gives seven mysteries. That is not to be confused with the seven mysteries. But that's another Bible study. All right. You guys good? Gabriella? Thanks for hanging with me. Did you catch anything I was saying today? Okay. I thought so. She's the brightest stick in the box. So, I don't know if the sticks are bright. But... I'm trying to say something that makes sense. Uh, you're the brightest, sharpest pencil in the box. That's it. All right. Amy Joe, thanks for putting up with me. She's raising her eyebrow. I shouldn't call her out like that. So, All right. Hey, you folks at HBF that are online, if anyone is online, I'm glad you joined us. And uh, I, I hope uh, this was a good study for you. If again you're looking, if you're watching this and you're like, "What are you talking about?" Go go online to our website. You can find the notes for this and the PowerPoint under "Listen." Go to the Ephesians study and look under number five under Christ's blessings, and you will be able to get the um, the notes and the PowerPoint that we just covered. All right, I mentioned at the beginning I want to just cover a couple of quick things, and then.